I chose this coming Sunday's lectionary text from Acts. When I visited Jerusalem in 2009, I was like a child walking around wide-eyed, full of wonder and amazement that I could be in a place where Jesus had walked, a place that scripture described and I, a little girl or a woman from Tipton County, Tennessee, could be across the world in a place that's in scripture. I was in spiritual overload. Today, we're just gonna touch a little bit on the ways in which Jerusalem impacted history forever. The theme for this morning is, where is your Jerusalem? Where is your Jerusalem? Jesus ordered the disciples to stay in Jerusalem, the place of baptism of the Holy Spirit the place of spiritual firepower, witnessing, suffering, disbelief, instruction, anointing, and the ongoing work of evangelism. Jerusalem, a place of startle, doubt, terror, and the proclamation of peace. Jerusalem is the place where the disciples meet Jesus after the resurrection. He tells them to look and touch his hands and his feet. And then he asks them for a piece of broiled fish because you see ghosts can't eat. Jesus tells them to begin right there in Jerusalem to proclaim his resurrection from the dead, repentance and forgiveness of sins. It was in Jerusalem at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, that a man lame from birth encountered the disciples on whom the Spirit rested. Disciples who were together in one place on the day of Pentecost, when suddenly the sound of a rushing violent wind filled the entire house where the disciples were gathered and divided tongues of fire rested on each of them. It was in Jerusalem that the Spirit so filled them that they began to speak with other tongues. Somebody ought to say hallelujah, because there are a lot of languages and cultures and tongues even right here at Asbury. This was the place where Jesus ordered them to stay until they were equipped to do even greater things in ministry. It was here in Jerusalem, where a lame man was expecting to be given alms, because after all, they were going to the temple, and almsgiving and prayers were what you did religiously. Peter offered the man what he had. No money, no possessions, but he had the spirit and the power and the name of Jesus Christ and it was in that name that he reached and he raised him up by his right hand. And he who was formerly lame got up and began to leap and jump and dance and praise God. Has God done something 
so magnificent in your life that you can't wait to leap and jump and dance and give God thanks and praise. Just want to tell you something that you probably already know. I'm more excited about Jesus than getting a ticket to sit on the sidelines at the Super Bowl. I'm more excited about Jesus than winning a multi-million dollar lottery ticket. I'm even more excited about Jesus than the opportunity to travel to outer space, all expenses paid. People who win these things, they may jump and they may leap and they may dance, but I'm saving my dance for the one who is worthy of all of our praise, and his name is Jesus. So my friends, where is your place of leaping and dancing and joy? Where is your Jerusalem? Peter and John were arrested and placed in custody because as unshakable eyewitnesses, they were proclaiming that in Jesus is the resurrection of the dead. With the power that had come upon them, that undeniable truth and the transformation of being in the presence of the risen Lord, there was no more fear, no more hiding behind locked doors, no more running away and leaving friends deserted in a garden. This is the same Peter who said, I will lay down my life for you. And before the cock crowed, he would deny his friend three times. It is amazing how being an eyewitness can give strength to weak knees and feeble hands and courage to quivering hearts. What have you witnessed this past year that has made your faith even more unflappable? What has made your testimony to family and friends even more alive as a result of Jesus Christ living and moving and breathing inside of you? You see, these two unlearned, common, everyday fishermen had been in the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah! Fearlessly, they preached and they brought 5,000 people to believe. It was only a couple of chapters earlier in Acts 2 that Peter preached and 3,000 were baptized and welcomed the message. That, my friends, that was the beginning of a megachurch. It was in Jerusalem, the holy city, located in the Judean mountains between the Mediterranean and the Dead Seas. Jerusalem, the holy place of the major Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. It is Jerusalem that is considered one of the oldest cities in the world, where King David established it as the capital, and Solomon built the first temple. Jerusalem, a place of war and a place of peace, a place of attack, capture, and recapture. It was Jerusalem 
that Jesus set his face toward as the days drew near for him to be taken up. Jerusalem, the place where we heard the declaration, there is no other name under heaven among mortals by which we must be saved. Excuse me. Peter and John were in Jerusalem, calling on the magnificent and sanctifying name of Jesus. They were without wealth or riches, but they were filled with the power of his glorious presence. Their voices would not be silenced or suppressed. They were among the powerful and the educated and those in high positions. Yet, they were not intimidated. <coughs> Excuse me. By mere men. They were not intimidated by the pompous attitudes and pontificating questioning. When you are filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, because the Savior lives and lives within you, and you know who hold your future, even if you're in Jerusalem. You see, these rulers and elders and scribes pretended to be ignorant of the name the disciples were preaching in. Peter had no problem bringing that name to their remembrance. There's something powerful about naming. We name our pain. We name our situations. We name our illnesses. We name our brokenness. And we name our healing. We live into our baptismal name. We live into who God called us to be. Our names may have various meanings, and we might take on the characteristics of our name to define us. It was in this name that pity and sorrow and regret took a back seat. It is in this name that reconciliation and true shalom comes. It's in this name that the shameful and the shamed can become the shining manifestation of freedom through God's grace. <coughs> it was boldly preaching power in that name then and preaching power in that name now that transforms and recalibrates our lives. You may ask, what's in a name? So I'm glad you did. In most cultures, naming an individual is not just happenstance. It's not just looking in a baby book and choosing a name that appeals to your fancy. It's about a vision for a child's life. Sometimes names symbolize a time or a place in history. Aaron Howard writes in his article, what's in a Jewish name? a reflection of cultural values. And he says, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, 
they did not change their name. They did not change their customs. They did not change their clothing and they did not disclose each other's secrets. Naming might be to honor a father or a grandfather. Naming might have been that the soul of the deceased relative can live in and through the child and maybe even finish the uncompleted work of the deceased. What's in a name? It was an angel of the Lord who told Joseph that the child Mary carried was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that she would bear a son and he was to be named Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. It was Gabriel who said, favored one, you have found favor with God and you will bear a son and you will name him Jesus. When Moses asked God in Exodus chapter 3 verses 13 and 14, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. We call Jesus by various names depending on our relationship or our need or to honor or to praise. We say that Jesus is the word that became flesh. We say that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We say that Jesus, when he turned water into wine, he became a provider and a miracle worker. Jesus is the one who is way maker and promise keeper. Nicodemus called him rabbi and teacher. The woman at the well called him prophet. At his baptism, a voice from heaven declared, you are my son, the beloved. He is bread from heaven for the hungry souls of the world. When the woman was caught in adultery by herself and brought to Jesus, the scribes and Pharisees said, teacher, but when Jesus bent down and he wrote in the ground and everyone left and he said, neither do I condemn you, he was a righteous judge. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is a bridge over troubled waters when we feel we can't make it to the next day. Jesus is a rock in a weary and tumultuous land when we need to stand firm. Jesus is a company keeper when lonely, sad, depressed, and anxious. The disciples were arrested and interrogated because of the name of Jesus that they proclaimed in Jerusalem. This prejudicial court wanted to know what authority did they have to teach the people when they themselves were the experts in the law. It was in this place that they were told not to do the good that God had called them to do. It was in this place where they stood and they spoke truth to power with boldness and determination. It is Jesus' teachings that we follow and not the teachings of the world. When you are in Jerusalem, threats don't scare you. Where is your Jerusalem? Where is your place of fear? 
Where is the place of your arrest? What has had you lying down, lame in spirit, and wouldn't let you go? Wouldn't let you get up? What lie has been introduced to you that makes you feel you are not worthy of God's grace and forgiveness? Is Jesus weeping over you as he did for Jerusalem because you can't find peace or the Prince of Peace? Who has whipped you emotionally, threatened your beliefs, and made you carry a cross that was not your own? Who has tried to silence your voice or who won't let you be resurrected in your spirit so that you can soar on wings of eagles, so that you can run and not be weary, that you can walk and not faint. When scripture said you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, where is your Jerusalem? Jerusalem is a paradox. It can be a place of hopefulness or a place of hopelessness. Jerusalem can be a place of suffering or a place of joy. Jerusalem can be a place of bondage or a place of freedom. Jerusalem can be a place of slavery or a place of liberation. Jerusalem can be a place where you are listening for the still, small voice of the Spirit or a place where the voices of crucify him drown you out. Jerusalem can be a place of death or a place of life. As leaders and disciples and pastors and priests and prophets, all of you, where? is your Jerusalem, my Jerusalem, my Jerusalem is a place where sickness and death from COVID has claimed the lives of people I know, family and friends who are suffering the unimaginable. My Jerusalem is a place where the bodies of people of color are threatened by their very existence. A place where we have to have the talk with our sons about what to do or not do in a traffic stop. My Jerusalem is a place where as a woman and a woman of color, there are still churches that don't believe that God calls women to be powerful proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Though there were women who were at the tomb and the first to proclaim that Jesus was risen. Jerusalem is the place where people from every nation and every tongue and every culture are lying down crippled, waiting for the waters of justice to be stirred. I'd like you to hear the name that I just can't keep to myself, the name of all that is good and right, the name that inspires and motivates and encourages me, the name of Jesus that heals me. Mm -hmm.
on August the 3rd and August the 8th of 2019, I straight lined. On August the 3rd, I fainted in our home, and Sonny, my husband, we, we went to the hospital and they did every imaginable test and they couldn't find anything wrong. They put a monitor on me and they said, for 30 days, we're gonna check and see what happened. And I said, I'm the healthiest person I know, I'm fine. The doctor said, don't climb stairs, don't swim, don't drive, don't go any place by yourself, don't even get in the shower or the tub by yourself. And I thought, he's really going overboard with this thing. So three days later, at 5 a.m. while I was asleep, I should have slept into eternity because my heart stopped for so long, my doctor said I had died. But Jesus, the healer of my soul and my body, woke me up. I had no CPR. I had no shock. I had no meds. But Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, got me up out of that bed. And I'm here today, and I believe it's because I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus is a healer and that he will raise you up. The name of Jesus is the name that we pray with every shred of our being when we're lifting up loved ones in the hospital who are in intensive care units or in hospice. It is the name that we believe is above all names. It is the name that calls us into accountability and gives us courage to stand when we'd rather sit down. It's the name that moves us from inaction to holy activism. It is power in that name, Jesus, that we believe one day, one day, all people, for all people, justice will roll down as waters and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream, the name Jesus. It is the name Jesus where pictures on x-rays change. It is the name of Jesus where lab work values improve. It is the name Jesus where relationships are mended. There is something about the name Jesus. It is in the name of Jesus and the resurrection power that one day, as Isaiah prophesied, the wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together and a child shall lead them. I'm looking forward to the new Jerusalem where there will be no more death or mourning or crying because all the old hath passed away and the one on the throne is making all things new. My brothers and my sisters, where is your Jerusalem. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.